Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we just have a lovely episode for you on this one. We are joined by Cheyenne of Between Clean Sheets, just a longtime, super knowledgeable MLS fan. Great to pick her brain about the league, her experience in Qatar for the World Cup. It's a content creator there. We're also talking Brenner Transfer Saga, U.S. Men's National Team caps for FC Cincinnati players, and we finally get to, I don't know, dreading, looking forward to the Portland game this weekend. And that's going to be your Cincy Postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, a full episode ahead of us, gentlemen, we have Grayson and we have the Chief, and I'll start with the Chief here. We are recording this little peek behind the curtain. We're recording this before the U.S. men's national team takes on Mexico, but after we know that Brandon Vasquez is starting. So, Chief, what is your prediction for Miazga, Celentano, and most importantly here, Brandon Vasquez? I'd just like to be the first person that you will hear congratulating Brandon Vasquez on breaking out of his slump in spectacular fashion. Those three goals, the natural hat trick, left foot, right foot, header. I mean, you want to get all parts of your body working in sync. This is the way you do it. So I really hope that this carries over and the memories of Brandon Vasquez's slow start are a thing of the past. And how about uh, Matt Miazga getting in there at the end and Really putting it to uh, one of those Mexican players, man. That was unbelievable. He's he's feisty. He's feisty. fiery, and uh, no, you love you love to see it, Grace. And how did Celentano look out there? Uh, you know, he looked about as I expected. Good. Uh, <laughs> presumably, just distributing the ball he did like none other. That, uh, yeah, <laughs> I expected him to do. Yeah, when he when he left and he was called up to this roster, it was like, man, how do you think Celentano is going to perform? And it turns out he met every expectation we had for him ahead of this camp. <laughs> Leaves nobody disappointed. That is that is Roman Celentano, um, Chief. Just to uh, monkey paw your uh, your prediction there. All three goals from Vasquez, though, uh, assisted by Jordan Morris. Does FCC need to trade for Jordan Morris to get the most out of Brandon Vasquez? Many people are saying that <laughs> in order to truly unlock the potential of this offense, we do need a human rectangle <laughs> occupying some portion of the attack. What we're really truly missing is that PS2 era character where there's just not enough polygons <laughs> to really do justice to what's going on in the field. So, yeah, maybe, maybe. I was thinking more, you know, I thought Ferreira really impressed in that 10 role mm. in the in the midfield. And I think he might be exactly what we're looking for as a Lucho backup. Just Jesus Ferreira. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just got some some sweet, sweet gam from Nashville. So I think we have enough for both of these moves. That I, I I don't really know what the budgets look like, but I'm sure we can pull off both of those things. Uh, I think so after, I think <laughs> after the, so I think after Ferreira being present for uh, uh, Sebastian Legette's personal drama, yeah, and maybe maybe playing somewhat of a role in that, um, I think Dallas may be looking to unload one of them. 
Yes. And it's probably Ferreira. And it's yes. probably Ferreira. <laughs> I, I just get unreasonably excited whenever more gam comes our way because all I can think about is like, ah, oh, we could, we could, that could turn into anything. That could turn into a player that we could trade for more gam down the road. It's just, I'm addicted to the gam lifestyle. I want more. I want to accumulate more. That's why I wish, I know we talked about this last year. I wish there was like some sort of a, a meter or a chart on the team website that listed how much gam you had right at any given moment. So you could really start to like dream big about what that could turn into down the road. Yes. If you knew how much gam and Tam teams had, then um, how would, how would teams cheat? (laughs) Right. I mean, that would be a big downside to, to knowing information for sure. Yeah. If, uh, if folks hadn't heard, it was, I mean, earth shattering news. I don't know how you could have avoided this, but FC Cincinnati traded away one of its international spots as you only get eight for a given season. Um, essentially it's a one-year rental. You can't give these away permanently anymore after I forget who, but some team did that in the past. Uh, so we we rented away an international spot to Nashville for 175,000 GAM. Uh, for those keeping track at home, that's about 25,000 more GAM than the going rate this year. And considering we're already, what, 22% of the way through the season, that's uh, it's a pretty good deal from uh, one Chris Albright. So. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things going on. Like one is the GAM market's been kind of weird for international spots this year. Okay. Inflation. Is that what we're um, talking about here? Know, Seattle sold one to St. Louis. Yeah. C- Seattle sold one to St. Louis last November for just a hundred thousand, uh, 2023 GAM. Huh. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they have Biden's been going recently. Recently for 150,000, um, but uh, there there have been some trades for 175. But from what I can tell, most of those have been a split between 2023 and 2024. So I think getting all the gam in 2023 is better. Okay, so like gam now is is more valuable than gam later. So I think it's a right. pretty good trade. I I can get behind that and. Yeah, it's nice having a, a competent general manager where you can, as Chief said, kind of get excited about what this might mean. The fact that we're making these moves, uh, it's not really a move you just do to help out Nashville. You got to assume that there is some plan, some thought with this money coming in. And as you said, Grayson, this is all 2023 GAM. A lot of the other deals had kind of been, yeah, pay a little bit now, pay a little bit later. So maybe something to the idea that uh, there, there may be something up Albright's sleeve here. So You know, you know what this would pay for? What would bringing that be? Je- bringing Jeff Cameron back. <sighs> he would cost about Probably that would. much. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you ever stop, do you ever stop and think in the middle of the night that Premier League fans are living only half a life as a soccer fan because they never understand the joy of trying to speculate as to what Gam and Tam can buy their team. <laughs> Anyone can have a rich, like oil, you know, chic buy your team and raise you out of the doldrums like Newcastle. But have you truly lived until you've seen a Gam infusion for your team over trading an international spot that your team wasn't using anyway? Uh, you just you never see this one anymore. This was big a couple of years ago. A straight Gam for Tam trade. 
So good. That is peak MLS right there. That's, it's it's big. How many shroot bucks are in each Stanley nickel? <laughs> that is exactly it. Um, I think the gam is like Microsoft points where they make you put it in that other currency. So you don't, you can't figure out how to spend all of it at once. And you always have just a little bit left over that you have to go out and spend on like an avatar profile picture. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Nintendo's big on that. Like you can't just pay money for switch online. You have to buy Nintendo bucks in order to, so I have to Venmo money to Nintendo (laughs) in order to buy the Nintendo points in order to keep playing Mario Kart online. It's the, I love that company so much. They're the worst. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Tam is no longer tradable. That is probably true. (laughs) You could tell me literally anything about Tam and I would believe you. Um, So uh, before we we dive into this interview here, I do also want to touch on the other pressing FC Cincinnati news from this midweek. Our very own Brenner is probably sitting out again this weekend um the uh the, the reports coming from laurel that i last i saw he's probably not playing again um it's my understanding he was supposed to be going to italy to do a medical sometime this week or next week he did not get it done this week i don't think i don't know why he couldn't just go now i don't know how hard it is to book a soccer team's Medical staff, I don't understand why you need weeks and weeks to sort this out. But um, yeah, uh, we're probably Brennerless again this weekend. Uh, Chief, does that does that do anything for you? Are you more nervous about Portland without Brenner? Yeah, I'm absolutely nervous about any game without Brenner at this point because the team's offense isn't scoring goals. If we were scoring goals, I wouldn't be worried about it. Now, having said that, Seeing Brandon Vasquez score three goals that we all watched, <laughs> yes. even though we're taping before the game starts, <laughs> um, that does make me feel a little bit better about the offense. But no, I, I, I want Brenner out there. The word coming out is that Acosta, they're going to try and run him out for practice on Thursday and see what happens. This team needs to bounce back. And I want as many of the starting 11 on the field as possible. And it's it's absurd to me that the deal could be so far along that personal terms have been agreed to that the transfer fee has been agreed to that they couldn't fly a doctor over from Italy to look at this guy or find some agreed upon medical provider in New York that could look at Brenner or whatever you've had now two weeks to do your business, get it done. And I don't know who's at fault here. If this isn't FC Cincinnati's fault, for not saying go get on a plane, go to Italy and go get this done, or if this isn't his agent's fault, but whoever's at fault, it's it's frustrating because he's missing another game and there still isn't a timetable for when this is going to be done. It's just lingering out there. And the longer it lingers out there, the more you wonder, is he going to play again for FC Cincinnati this year? I I don't know. With yeah. each game that passes... <laughs> Yeah, I can, Grayson, tell, I, can tell you who's, I can tell you whose fault it's not. It's not Brenner's fault. It's never Brenner's it's completely, fault. It's completely normal to disappear every time you learn about a new European team. <laughs> um, that's just how, just how the sport goes. And uh, if, you know, if, if you think that that's unusual, then you, know, you probably haven't uh, 
watched a, a lot of watched a lot of <laughs> soccer or fought a lot of transfer <laughs> things. The 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 more unusual part is the fact that uh, you know Obi Lucho and Brenner uh, and uh, Jeff Cameron all played in games right before they officially transferred uh, to FC Cincinnati. Oh, strange. That's, that's the more, that's, that's, that's the really unusual thing. Um, <laughs> because remember, I, remember when Atlas was like suddenly featuring Acosta and all of their social media and he was like, he, started, <laughs> he was like starting every game for them yes. while the, while all the reports were like FC Cincinnati was like working on the deal. <laughs> it, it felt petty, but I couldn't explain why. Yeah. <laughs> no, cause I, I do remember that every single time we signed someone, there's always we always have the same fucking discussion, and that's the you know he's played a lot of games already. Do you think they're gonna have to have him on a pitch count or a minutes limit? Mm -hmm. Like we had this conversation about Obi, and dude just showed up and was like, "Have cleats, will travel." <laughs> <laughs> right. No issues. He had just played ninety for his yeah. for his Turkish team, like yeah, within Lakadia, a week before the the deal was done. Yeah. And Lakadia had done a similar thing as well. I I think it's funny too. Suddenly I. Maybe I've missed it. Uh, nobody's talked about Brenner's back this week. I guess he's healed now. We're just, or we're just not acknowledging that that no, pretense is, from he, last week. He's, well, Brenner's not back, so. Oh, there, there yeah. it is. <laughs> not to not not to be petty about it, but the first report on Brenner was that he was sitting out because FC Cincinnati hadn't or what wouldn't agree to the deal. And then suddenly the deal was agreed and he was still sitting out like, you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah. If I had a coworker who was openly interviewing for other jobs and just said, hey, guys, this interview went really well. I'm just not going to show up this week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'd like that person very much. <laughs> it's a power move, though. You got to respect. You got to respect even trying it. Uh, and, you know, I, but I give I give Junior Moreno a lot of credit. You know, he showed up what two days before the Austin game last year, and yeah, yeah. I look, there's a thousand and one counterexamples to what's happening here. It's super frustrating, and I it gets to a point that I know other people have made. Um, I, I don't want to dwell on it, but it's a shame that. Brenner, somebody with his skill ceiling, with his price tag attached to it, with his output last year, that he I, he wasn't a bigger star for this team. And sure, the language barrier plays a large role there. Uh, but Acosta, you've seen, become a star of this team. And he's not necessarily fluent in English. He's, he's come around to it. And it's just, I don't know. It's it's. It's is, frustrating. Is Yerson Mascara some type of some type of language genius? <laughs> it's he, possible. <laughs> he, he's he's twenty one years old. He went over to to England like what like last year, year and a half ago. Yeah, and he's given interviews in English. He's ready to go. <laughs> he's, he's he's good to go. You know, I as somebody who's taken many language classes, I, I've made it two years into like three different languages and just. Nothing sticks with me. It's I'm terrible. I am 
always impressed with soccer players' abilities to pick up other languages. Like Zlatan, you know, you, you might think of him as like an arrogant jock, but that guy knows more languages than I could name. Like, like it's very, very impressive what a lot of these guys are able to do. And um, yeah. You can barely speak English. Christ. Yeah. I, <laughs> trip over my words all the time um, so yeah no it's a it's a shame uh we we can eulogize brenner a little bit more later i'm sure we'll get plenty of opportunities but just a shame that he never went on to become a a bigger star for this team he could have been much bigger in this city i think um we should get into this interview right and then afterwards let's uh let's preview and predict Portland. Um, we have with us a uh, returning guest as uh, it's been sort of a, a, a running theme the last month or so. Uh, we're rejoined by Cheyenne from Between Clean Sheets, a wonderful independent content creator in and around MLS and USL. Um, it's a shame we, we recorded this last week. It is before Cheyenne sort of picked a fight with all of LAFC Twitter. So we did not get an opportunity he to talk about a, that. He didn't pick a fight with them. Oh, that's true. That's hey, they, I, I, they, I phrased that they wrong. Pick, they picked a fight with they her. They picked a fight with her. They, yes. they overreacted to what I thought was like a fairly tame uh, yes. uh, sentiment. Yeah, and not to, not to get too deep into it because you know I don't know how many people pay attention to this. She's right. <laughs> the, the, there is a there is a difference between the original clubs in this league and something we've talked about before, and how they have to behave, market themselves, and you know a lot of the shiny new toys of which I would consider us one is FC Cincinnati. We really don't have an appreciation for what it's like to be a fan and a supporter of a club that went through the meat grinder of the 1990s and early 2000s when this league almost folded and still trying to maintain that market relevance. And it's not just LA uh, Galaxy, like which was the original genesis of this fight. It's DC, it's Chicago, um, it's New York Red Bulls. It's a lot of these teams that have tried to, that have been forced to contend with the fact that the league just changed around them while they became old news in their market. So. Yeah, I wish we could have talked to her about it because it's a fascinating conversation topic. But I thought it was a great interview anyway, even regardless of the fact that it was recorded before that little internet snaf, uh, <laughs> not snafu, internet uh, Donnybrook, if you will. Yeah. Uh, no, we do definitely touch on her experience in uh, Qatar for the World Cup, which is fascinating, getting the fans' perspective of what it was like to attend a World Cup that happened all in one city there so enjoy this interview on the other side of this we'll be talking portland timbers And joining us uh, for the second time now, very special guest on the postcast, we have Cheyenne from Between Clean Sheets. Cheyenne, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well and wondering if I get some sort of jacket or medal or something for being like a non-Cincinnati guest two Ooh. times now. This is good. You are in elite company with uh, also USL adjacent Mike Watts. So look at that. That is that is some good company there. <laughs> when does the yeah. when does the duel happen? When does it go down? And do you think I could take him? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Mike, uh, <laughs> Mike is um, Mike's a lean, mean fight machine. He's in New York. He's New York tough. So I don't know. You always got to be careful about those people from the from the boroughs. They they fight a little dirty sometimes. 
Yes, I'm originally from California, so I am as soft as they come. <laughs> There's nothing more classic than the East Coast West Coast rivalry, though. So I, I'd pay to watch the fight, you know. Right, right. <laughs> I think you two would certainly go pound for pound in um, a content output. That that man is a very hardworking man, and you yourself are just constantly putting out content, working on content, and I totally respect the hustle because I always think of all the things that we could be doing. Doing here at the postcast and go, oh, that's so much effort. And just what we do now has taken so much out of me. <laughs> yes. Well, I should say I felt the exact same way and still feel the same way, but I actually quit my full-time job, kind of walked away from my career in January. And I keep telling people I'm right around the corner from getting into a rhythm, but the amount of free time I have now is really actually hard to wrap my mind around. And the grind that I could be doing is uh, <laughs> has yet to kick in, but it's I'm getting there. I'm getting there. See, that would that would terrify me because like with all this stuff that's soccer adjacent content for us, I always have the excuse of, oh, I've got a nine to five job that I desperately don't want my employer to find out how much time I'm devoting to reading about soccer and doing soccer stuff on the clock. It's like, oh, I could I could do that if I had more free time. Once you have the free time, all the excuses evaporate and it's just on you. <laughs> yes, yes. It's been a lot of like looking in the mirror going, what, like, what are you doing right now? I've been playing like online games as a break uh, on my lunch break <laughs> while I eat a sandwich and then two hours goes by. I'm like, what was I doing? What am I up to right now? <laughs> no taskmasters, so that is yeah as chief said that is my nightmare like i have those fantasies as well we'll walk away and then i know i'd just be sitting around in my basement for a long time like yeah i'm gonna write this article any any second now (laughs) (laughs) so i gotta ask you this because i i i'm sure you see it i'm sure you've interacted with both of these this is this is a burning question i have in my mind and i need an expert's opinion here uh pick your poison a U.S. men's national team fan who hates MLS players or a pro-rel truther who supports a Super League team? Oh, man. I'm going to have to go with the latter. The Is pro-rel that, truther? Yeah, I think it's one of those lesser of two evil situations. <laughs> thing is, interestingly enough, I went to a season ticket member event maybe two or three weeks ago, and I have Wayne Rooney on camera talking about wishing there was promotion relegation here in the US. And I thought, okay, this is maybe the first time where I've actually been able to conceptualize it (laughs) as a possibility, knowing full well that those guys are, the ones that are on Twitter are very much sky is falling type. And maybe we'll get ProRel like when I'm on my deathbed. So that to me is okay. But the snootiness with being anti MLS and being super pro U.S. men's national team, as you guys know, a Chris Wondolowski apologist, <laughs> I truly hate it. Yeah. I don't hate them, but I hate it. I feel like it is a sickness for them, and they don't know it yet. It it's is. A, it's a yeah. running joke that we have on the podcast that Brandon Vasquez here in Cincinnati, his stock will shoot through the roof with that breed of men's national team fans as soon as he boards a plane to Europe. That like Absolutely. right now he is. Why are they calling him in? We have better players elsewhere. He will be the same person. The only difference will be where he is physically located. And all of a sudden, oh well, we've got to get Vasquez in on the national team. 
he's European based and look what he's doing in Europe right now. It's like he hasn't played a game over there yet. <laughs> right. And I think we're seeing this with a number of different players that are filling out the rest of the roster that are not getting the playing time they need to. And then this whole Weston McKinney to lead situation, it made everybody nervous. And I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, I don't expect that he'd have the same success he is if he had just stayed in Dallas or stayed in MLS, but it's not a sure thing. So why be so adamant that the only way you're going to get experience and the only way you're going to become better is to go across the pond. It's not a sure thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Ricardo Pepe is an interesting one as well, because I really discount the level of the Eredivisie, the Dutch league there that like, once you get past the top four teams, I'll be charitable. It really starts to look like USL quality. And if we had a USL striker tearing it up, I don't think a lot of people would be clamoring for them to join the US men's national team. I mean, this is also a bit of a bit of Cincinnati from Kevin here, because we had we had like three years of of. (laughs) Of the Dutch coming in, uh, bringing, We've had bringing so players many. over from the Eredivisie. Who they were, were legends like, in the Eredivisie. And, you know, all these great Dutch players that couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, I was sitting here wondering why the heck you know so much about the Dutch league, feeling a little dumb, and now I understand why. You knew oh, when I wasn't no. paying attention to Cincinnati. No, it was a dark mo- It was a dark couple of years for all of us where – you know, we were just pinning all of our hopes on this league and <laughs> no, nope, turns out the quality of play is not indicative of what's going to happen when they yeah. join MLS. I had, <laughs> I had like, guys, I had like a soft Euro bias, probably like I was never one of those, like, oh, we, we don't want any MLS players on the team or anything, but having never watched like the Swiss league or the Belgian league, all that really probably at all, uh, or the Eredivisie that much, I just kind of vaguely assumed that they were a little better than MLS. And then we get players our first three years in Major League Soccer where it's like, oh, this guy played in Switzerland and he was in the Champions League and he played against Ronaldo. Well, it turns out like anybody can play against Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. I was in the same stadium as him one time. So I'm <laughs> sign me up. No. Yeah, I, I was. I wish I didn't know as much about the Eredivisie. So, I, I, yeah. to, to the original question Kevin asked though about the the pro rel truther versus yes. the anti MLS bias, I feel like just in recent months though, I don't know if you feel the same way that the welcome to Wrexham has really given the pro rel truther way more. I don't know. Ammunition is the wrong word, but it's given them a little more life. Now they're feeling themselves for sure. They're feeling themselves a little (laughs) bit. And now it's made them, they were already insufferable. And now it's gotten so much more insufferable that I'm almost tempted to go pro rel truther is the one that I need to avoid now, because now they are armed in their back pocket with the powers of Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. And I just don't want to deal with these people right now. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I am removed from that conversation as well as the Ted Lasso fandom only because I am just not a great TV watcher in general. So outside of watching MLS and then maybe just my one old favorite show on in the background during my day, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch them, but I realize there is a frenzy around all of these new stories. And yet I remember when we were 
what, still on ESPN Plus, I think, there was a several part series about LAFC that was quite compelling. And even now there's, you know, a documentary coming out for Angel City FC that has kind of the same theme or same same vibe. And what annoys me here is the argument with the Wrexham conversation is that people are convinced that there isn't any or there aren't any compelling stories to be told here. And I think that that's lazy. It's, and this is another thing completely separate of soccer, but it's like the people that get so aggressively obsessive with Formula One because they watch that one documentary. (laughs) And you're like, can you take it in stride, please? And can you not be, don't be lazy about it. Don't assume that like Formula One didn't exist until this moment that I discovered it. Now, I love new fandom. I want people to be fans of MLS, but I don't want them to run in to an existing infrastructure and expect it to be like what they saw on that one show they liked, you know? (laughs) So I remember there being a Jorge Villafania show, like a TV show based on his career that was in production. I think Robbie Rogers was behind it and his husband, uh, uh, the guy from the all the CW, Greg Berlanti, um, they were producing it, and it was going to be about how you know Villafania went on like a reality show and got on. I think it was the Timbers. Yeah, at the time, mm-hmm. you know, yep. he ended up you know playing getting the, playing a long time in Major League Soccer, got a right. a lot of caps for the men's national team. Like that's a really interesting story that that I think should be told to people watching you know mls today right and i think people just need to be open to receiving them i don't even think that you need to really look that far they just need to be open to receiving them and the apple season pass has so many different kinds of content that you could watch right now that would give you a really great idea about any any aspect of the game right now so yeah, how have you have you been enjoying the Apple content? Because I think for a lot of FCC fans that we've been talking to, a lot of them would say it's lacking, but it's hard to compare because something like this hasn't really existed. I'm curious your take on the the level and quality of content there. Well, overall, I am incredibly pleased and recognize that whatever complaints I have will very likely be changed in the coming years. But we have to remember, not until this year were we ever watching games that were better than, what, 720p? 720 interlace, (laughs) I believe, which is what Fox was doing, which is insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I mean, I remember times where I would go onto dcunited.com to watch a game that I might have might have been geo-blocked from on TV. And during halftime, I would either get some elevator music that would play <laughs> while I went and grabbed a snack. Or, I mean, it, I really have to remind myself and remind others just how far we've come. And the fact that Apple can now stream these games with zero blackouts to over 100 countries. I mean, some of these players' families are watching them for the first time. So. I think that the one frustration I do have, and I actually 
for my own little podcast, had a conversation about this just today, that I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose and get very overstimulated when on a Saturday night, I don't have a game at Audi Field and I want to watch something that evening. And I'm just bouncing around from game to game to game. And then because it has the scores on the screen and is technically spoiling it for us, I'll look at a game and be like, uh, is that game the one I should click? Is this game the one I should click? And then I don't end up watching anything. And it, it's so stressful. And I know other people have complained about that, but I think that for the surface level, I think those are some of the, the good and the not so good. In it's, my actually, mind. it's actually a problem that Netflix has addressed where they've done studies and shown that the decision paralysis that people have when they open the Netflix app and don't know what to watch. And this idea of, if I click on this and I don't enjoy it, I'll have wasted my time. And so they, there are people that are, they're spending millions of dollars at Netflix to help people make decisions. Right. Because they're finding that people are having an unhappy experience from having too many choices with things. Well, I should also say that the narrative that exists from season to season would have if I were a, a more casual fan would have me believing that an FC Cincinnati game wasn't worth tuning into. So if I was choosing between 10 different games and I saw that y'all were playing and said, well, why do I want to watch that? That's going to be boring. It's not boring. And it would actually be a lot more enjoyable than some of the LA galaxy games I've seen this year than even some of the LAFC games this year. But because I'm really relying on some, surface level wraparound shows, to be quite honest, I, I think that they're great, the, the countdown, the MLS 360, et cetera. But it, again, it's all drinking from a fire hose. So if I'm relying on my old memory or, or what I have heard in the past, then why the heck would I watch FC Cincinnati, you know? Right, right. I think that's, that just like that, that made me think of something, it just absolutely blew my mind. Apple is in a unique position and the league is in a unique position to where media market no longer matters. Like the only thing right. that matters is butts and seats and subscriptions. So if you can sell more subscriptions in Salt Lake City than LA, that's your biggest market. And so this idea that they need to continue to play into and hype up an LA team or a New York team or a Miami team is kind of absurd they should just be selling the best product and putting the best teams forward and if that's cincinnati and at some point maybe kansas city then so be it um, <laughs> and, they really have, and they really have an opportunity too it's like when a game is on espn it's that's already been scheduled weeks or months in advance and there's no getting around it because that's what's on the schedule but with apple tv there would be nothing to stop them from having you know, you've got the splash page that you go to, the MLS on Apple TV Plus thing. And what's the best game? Well, that's the first one that you see. And it comes with a little blurb as to why you should watch this game if you have nothing else going on tonight or you don't know anything else about it. So I think right. there are some creative things that hopefully the league and Apple will get into because I do think that they can do a better job of helping people that want to promote the league and want to, you know, that want to be involved in the league do better about finding good games to watch and helping to drive the narrative. It was, um, we were talking about it on our podcast, this idea of maybe you have one game on a Monday that is your best game of the week, just so that everybody that's involved in this league can get together, watch the game, and we're all interacting with it online so that 
when you log on to Twitter, everyone's talking about the same game for one night. And that like kind of removes that fire hose effect because, oh, now on this given night, there's just one game that we can all watch and experience together and watch socially, as it were. Right. This is also reminding me that I truly hate uh, contextless tweets. <laughs> on a Saturday night, if I'm at Audi Field and at halftime, I pull up my Twitter account. I'm like, what's going on in these other games? And I get some random tweet that's like, that call was bogus. I'm like, what call? <laughs> what team? Where are you? Put a hashtag in it. Stop uh, it. I, I feel we're very overestimate. Yeah. People way <laughs> overestimate like what what everybody else is watching, right? Like the Super Bowl, I kind of get it, you know, but just some I, I get it all the time with like random NBA games. Oh, like yeah. There's like six on and they're like, oh, that was that was a terrible foul or something. And this yes. may be a, no this one's may watching be a, this game. This may be a narcissistic move, but occasionally I'll scroll back through my own timeline of tweets just to see what I was doing, you know, a year ago, two years ago. And if you go far back enough, like I will read things where I am just complaining about something like a player <laughs> or something. And it's been robbed of all context because I'm looking back like two years, three years ago. All of a sudden, I'm wondering, I have no idea why I was so mad at Mike Evans on this particular day, but apparently he was really pissing me off. Well, kudos to you, though, for not tagging the player, because Ooh, here's another thing. that's a thing. bad look, yeah. Right. I think that we are under the assumption that because they're professional athletes, granted, I think as content creators, we are a little bit different because I find that I have much better access to some of these people under the guise of doing something for between clean sheets but as fans even i was thinking about this uh just the other day i tagged a player who has maybe twenty thousand followers and they saw my story and responded in maybe 10 minutes now granted there could be a whole host of reasons for why they did that but to me i mean these guys are sitting on social media a lot and so when people tag a player as if they are not going to see it. Some of them do, some of them don't. I just think it, you're, uh, you're contributing to this culture wherein you feel owed a performance from another human being who is quite literally just doing their job. So that is one thing that, that I get annoyed about, but I will say I scroll through some of my old posts on any platform and I'm like, this didn't get enough likes. I'm going to delete it. <laughs> oh, for sure. If a joke doesn't land after like 10 minutes of being out on the, the internet, it's, yeah, let's we'll just take that one back. Yeah. Right. Right. Although the that's how tab I will get you. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. It's also how I've learned though, that there are a small number of people who particularly like specifically get notified when I post something. And so Ooh. if I, del I delete it, sometimes I'll respond to it as if it had just happened. I'm like, I, I wrote and deleted this in 15 seconds. How on earth? Cause it's happened multiple times. So oh, I have to be very wary. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. The yeah, internet is always on watch. <laughs> I know. I know. 
They're obsessed no. with me. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I I fully co-sign the don't tag the uh, the player. I mean, I guess if he has something very positive to say, I guess that's that's nice. But I feel like you're just inviting criticism in the subsequent replies. So I, I still wouldn't. But I figure uh, we won't tag players by any means. But if they if they seek it out themselves, I'm not going to not put criticisms out onto the internet. You know, if they if they right. bump into it, that's that's their own day. Fault. Last year, this is still one of my favorite online interactions with a player ever. So last year, Lucho Acosta got a red card for possibly headbutting Aaron Long in a confrontation. It was a bizarre concept, which is yes. impossible because like he's at least a head shorter than Aaron Long. I don't know how no, that's no, no. Fun. His head went to Aaron Long's butt. Yes. <laughs> yes. That accommodates for the height difference. Yes, the headbutt. <laughs> so, <laughs> literal headbutt. <laughs> so he got suspended three games for this red card. And I forget which one of us on the website put up a Twitter spaces, a silent <laughs> protest for Lucho Acosta. So it was a Twitter spaces, but they, we didn't give anyone permission to speak and we just let it sit there. So if you logged onto the Twitter spaces, it was just a silent room <laughs> and people were joining in and just sitting there in the protest and Lucho retweeted it. Oh a lot of people were sitting in it. it went, I think it went for, I think it was like a Saturday game and we had a Wednesday game and I think we kept it going all the it way went, through the Wednesday, it went to Wednesday. Until the Wednesday game. That is incredible. That also reminds me at this season ticket member event, we were obviously talking about what changes transfers etc that Wayne Rooney was hopefully making and someone asked what player around the league from any team he would bring onto the team if he could and he literally said Lucho and he said I even told Lucho he can come back if he wants oh <laughs> and you stay like, you oh stay away gosh. you stay away right now <laughs> I think that oh, tidbit yeah. might have made it into like a like a like a Pablo article or something like an interview with Lucho or maybe Pablo. somebody asked him about about uh Wayne being back in the league and he said and he said that yeah because I think I'd, I'd heard that kind of thing and it's like no well no. I I got it on video and five million I've been, hold, <laughs> I've been holding on to the video trying to add like a Wayne Lucho um like fan reel yes video after where it's like everyone's doing with Pablo Pascal just like hearts and and uh <laughs> super emotive because it's funny the way he says it he's almost shy he's like yeah I would bring him back if you wanted <laughs> we know Lucha's doing interviews in English now so maybe you could get him to oh, maybe you could get him. him to uh uh say some nice words about about Wayne Rooney yeah reminisce yeah. <laughs> I would love that so I I feel like we we can't not talk about it. That you you've you've brought up old DC United a couple of times. That is your chosen MLS team. What is what is the situation? What are the vibes around DC United this season? They are not great. Okay. I'll say that much. <laughs> I think um, tactically, I really couldn't pinpoint a specific situation beyond we are dealing with a number of injuries that just so happened to be that tiny piece of the puzzle that if filled would make things a little bit more bearable, but mm -hmm. we've got Christian Benteke as the, the billboard man of the town who is starting to get to a point where he's finishing and scoring goals, but we seem to just break down 
and are unable to defend our wings. Um, uh, Taxi Funtas came back, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before that, so beginning of April, against Chicago, and was incredibly frustrated at maybe two missed opportunities. And I thought, buddy, you better buckle up because you got a long season ahead and I'm, I'm not appreciating this attitude. So the goal is obviously during the transfer window to make a few changes. And if I had to speculate, I think given Wayne's connection to the premier league, the world cup happening in December has kind of pushed back a lot of moves that a coach like him would make. So I think we'll see a lot more during the transfer window in the summer, but um, we've got, I don't even know, I couldn't even tell you his first name, which I don't know if that takes away <laughs> credibility as a fan, but um, Click, who came from Leeds United. It's, I think it's Mateus. Mateus, I think so. Yeah, sure. I, Here's the thing. I am so painfully white. I hate butchering names. I know he's not. <laughs> well, he's Polish. So. Yeah. So, I mean, he's as white as I am. But I think, I'm he's thinking of this Right. I'm currently wearing a, a, a Colombian club kit and I went to grab some lunch today and this woman came up to me and started speaking in Spanish because she she must have been from Colombia. And I was like, I don't I don't speak any Spanish. I'm so sorry. I'm a fraud. This was a gift. It was a gift. <laughs> so. it, it, it's OK. Uh, Kevin and I once sat on a uh, recording for 20 minutes watching YouTube videos trying to learn how to pronounce Yerson Mascara's name. Like just waiting for someone to say his name in one of the highlight videos, but all of them were set to techno music and you couldn't hear any of the commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the one person I finally got saying it was Argentinian and apparently they pronounced that name very differently, of course. Oh, no. So that was, yeah. a whole, was a whole mess. Not as bad as mispronouncing an active player on the roster's name uh, right before <laughs> interviewing them. So that oh, was Oh, yeah, nice. that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with DC United, they are um, in a race to the bottom as they were last year. And I'm not even going to say that I think that you guys could commiserate because I, I do think that the situations are different, but from a from a vibes standpoint, the marketing choice to continuously remind us of what happened in the 90s is getting really old really fast. Mm, yeah. And even the cherry blossom stuff just did not do much for me. Now, if I was one of the influencers they chose to give a free jersey to, <laughs> might change my mind, but I was not. So right now I'm just, I always joke that I'm, I'm contractually obligated to continue loving this team because I am in year four of my five-year season ticket member contract. So. <laughs> we, can commiserate, we can commiserate to a certain extent in uh, Cincinnati because that business model of telling you how great things used to be is basically the playbook the Cincinnati Reds have been using for baseball for this entire, my right. entire adult lifetime. Like yeah. the marketing has been, hey, remember how great the big red machine was? And I'm like, no, man, I wasn't alive when anything <laughs> that happened back in the 70s. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you walk around the stadium, there's all the statues and the pictures of all the, of all the great players. And other than like, Barry Larkin, none of them played while I was alive. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're, they're selling right. me nostalgia that I was not around for. And it's maybe 
Maybe try winning instead of telling me how great things used to be. <laughs> That's honestly what I wish I could yell a little bit louder um, <laughs> for for the for the team. Every, they were doing a lot more season ticket number events, which I appreciate. But every time I'm there, it's amazing to me just how friendly and optimistic and hopeful a lot of the other people are that are there. And those people have been there. I mean, some of them have been there since the very beginning. And I just think, have you? acquiesced are you in in the mental health battle between the pandemic and and maybe a recession and all the other things going on in life are you just letting this wash over you and <laughs> what i also joke since i have tickets at the club level is I'm, i i always consider saturdays to be the possibility of dinner and a show i will always get dinner maybe or i i will get a show most of the time at the moment, I'm not getting the show, but I am getting fed. So. <laughs> <laughs> that certainly makes it a little bit better for sure. Yes, yes. Um, uh, uh, I I can't let you get out of here without without asking you this because we don't we don't get to talk to too many people who got to experience the World Cup, let alone as a fan. So I I don't really have a good question to enter this other than to say, how was the experience going over to Qatar for the World Cup? What was that like? It was the most overwhelming experience I have ever had in my entire life. And I should say that I am someone who is very hypersensitive to um, any kind of sensation, get, get some sensory overload. And to get the bang for my buck and to really get a lay of the land, I, in the 16 days that I went, I attended 19 matches. Oof, wow. Yes. And the first day that I got there, first full day was England versus Iran, where they beat Iran 6-2 and then USA-Wales that night. And it didn't really occur to me beforehand that going to a match was essentially like going to a Super Bowl. And even if I was in one city for the entirety of the trip, I was travel like traveling from one end of the city to the other with a bunch of other tourists. So it was incredible. I saw so many uh, amazing games that I would not have expected to be as great as they were. I did go to all eight stadiums. I traveled mostly by myself. I had some friends that I had gone in with for tickets and sat next to them for, for a lot of them, but I really was going at it solo. And I would say if I had to do it all again, I would do it a little bit differently. I might give myself a little bit of space to, to breathe and to sleep, but I stayed in a fan village uh, container as I'm sure you guys have seen on the internet. And then I stayed in the same hotel that the Wales national team stayed in. And Cool. I ran into so many other content creators and people who followed me, which was wild. I ran into people who were wearing all sorts of MLS jerseys. I saw a guy in a Las Vegas lights kit. Nice. And so, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting mix. And I think, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that I went but it was very, very overwhelming. <laughs> I could talk about it for years and years. Again, by the time we talked about this for press record, by the time this podcast airs, I will 
hopefully be well on my way to publishing the second World Cup vlog. But I've had to break them up into increments because I feel like I lived a whole week every single day. So with, go with going over there for that long, what was the preparation like to be ready to be on the road, be in Qatar for the World Cup for 16 days? Was there anxiety? Was there what was the things that you did to get yourself ready to do that? Because that's just the amount of games you're seeing and the amount of travel that you're doing. That just I like got second hang anxiety just for the thought of having to plan all that. <laughs> right. So I disassociated a lot. Um, <laughs> mentally separated myself from uh, what it was going to be like. I am one of those people. And what I've realized in the content that I create is I, I really value having a visual and at least being able to cling to something ahead of a trip so that I feel comfortable when I get there. I see something that, that I recognize and I, I feel safe in the space. And I will say one of the most amazing things that I walked away from the trip with was an appreciation for how safe I was as a solo traveler, as, as a woman traveling alone. I do attribute that to the lack of alcohol, which I know is controversial for a lot of people. But I think ahead of that trip, earlier in November, I had gone to the USL League One Championship and I had gone home to my parents' house. And a couple days after that, I finally looked at my schedule in front of me as I had written it on a printed calendar. And it looked almost like a TV schedule. <laughs> so in my mind, I was like, this seems easy. I live in a big city. I have worked jobs where I have been, I have flown a hundred thousand plus miles in a year. I can do this. I just need to make sure I pack the right jerseys, but I'll be fine. I, I can't even begin to explain to you just how blown out of the water and overwhelmed I was. I was so insanely overstimulated. Everything was noise, which was, it was amazing. It was nice seeing a lot of countries, fans celebrate that way. And I, Argentina obviously travels very, very well. Brazilian fans travel very, very well. And that was amazing to witness. I really enjoyed it. But the one thing I do think is that, that contributed to this feeling was that Doha, the city, was also very overwhelmed. They grossly underestimated the uh, kind of resources it would take just to entertain people at restaurants in public spaces. Mm. There were several times where the fan zone was closed and you couldn't enter. And it, it there was there was space. It just was that they didn't put up um, the, the right barricade in the right spot. But then I would also go to a random metro stop and have to walk through like half a mile of a snaking barricade Oof. when I could see the entrance right there, maybe 50 <laughs> yards away from me. And I thought they just really were not prepared. Um, I don't, I have a couple nice things I could say about the, the city and, and how they put the entire event on, but I have more negative things to say than I do positive. <laughs> So I could talk about this for days <laughs> and days. I, not to say I don't want to bore you, but I mean, they're so just. What, 
so maybe like what was the most surprising negative thing that you saw in terms of your experience over there? Interesting. I think it was the the lack of preparation on the restaurant side, which I, I mentioned earlier. It was so hard to find food anywhere. And mm. I think there were some times where I would go to bed hungry because I was so tired of walking around trying to find something. And I think I consider myself a very resourceful traveler and I'm also not picky at all. So I got to a point, there was one night, <laughs> there was one night I was staying at an Airbnb in a neighborhood and I walked about a mile and a half at 1130 at night down this road by myself to get McDonald's because that was truly the only thing that was open that I could get to. And it was, I, again, to, to my point earlier, I felt safe. It was truly amazing how, how comfortable I felt in the area and everything was, there was a lot that was open late because they like to do things when the sun is down, given how hot it gets. But man, I would just reach a point so many times where I thought, I don't want to be the person who eats the thing that I recognize because you're in a different country, but I can't even do that. So (laughs) (laughs) that was really, really frustrating. Um, But I think that that was probably the worst, (laughs) you know, I had a lot of issues with like hotels and the storage container place. (laughs) oh man I had a number of issues with that they obviously built things in a hurry and I know since then I've had issues with paying those workers a a livable wage but I'm I am glad that I went and the one thing I do remind myself is that that is an experience that so few people have that I will always have and was able to participate in the way that I wanted to. Um, once I got there, I mean, I was, I, I probably could have skipped a couple of games to give myself a breather, but um, <laughs> being alone and and also feeling safe being alone was really, really helpful because I think that there's so much about an experience like that that can be good or bad depending on the person you're with. So not having to to worry about that was actually really nice as weird as that sounds. Yeah. No, I mean that it sounds incredible. I know I am looking forward to the uh the vlog of this when when it gets up. Um Also don't beat yourself up yeah. about going to McDonald's. Like I love <laughs> I love going to McDonald's in foreign countries. In foreign just, countries it's so yes. good. Just <laughs> and, and as soon as I get there, I make a beeline for the menu and just look what don't I recognize yeah. from back home and I'm ordering every single one of those. I I pissed my wife off something fierce because I made her go to a mcdonald's in dublin and i'm like it's like chicken special it's like well we're, we're ordering two of those and we're finding out together what that's all about <laughs> yeah no actually you're absolutely right i think it just somehow tastes better in every other country but the place where it was founded <laughs> yeah um, no that is fantastic no um and it's even it's a cool yeah. experience too when you think about it this way and that's that because the world cup's going to be in america in four years, the next opportunity people are going to have to truly travel to an experience like that, not discounting the travel to the women's game, which I'm sure is also fun, but 
you know, I've read reports where it's just not, it's a different experience going to the Women's World Cup versus the Men's World Cup. The next opportunity people are going to have to go to the Men's World Cup and truly travel and have that experience is eight years. Right. Right. And actually, this is another thing too. The phenomenon of it being all in the same city, again, it was, if it felt like it was conquerable or manageable, but then it wasn't. And at other times I thought, I'm so close that where I'm so grateful that I'm where I'm staying is so close to the stadium that I'm ending the night at. But I remember the very last night I was there, I went and watched Croatia beat Japan. And of course, if you bought your tickets through the FIFA platform, you weren't allowed to buy tickets that went back to back. So I could go to a four to six game and a 10 to 12 game, but I couldn't Mm. do that, that middle, that middle window because of, the anticipated amount of travel. So I ended up buying a ticket to see Brazil and Korea. This was again, the night before I left and I realized I hadn't yet gone to that stadium, 974, the shipping container stadium. (laughs) So I ended up buying a ticket on StubHub and I had no idea where I was going to be because just like the tickets are listed on the FIFA platform, they give it to you in categories. And so I just picked the cheapest I could and I watched Japan and Croatia looked at the time I was in the the upper deck and I ran all the way down the stairs and sprinted a half mile to get to this bus pickup drop off where they had a stadium to stadium shuttle, which was really, really convenient, but it was so funny to watch all of the other, almost like a, a horror movie, it felt like, because by then it was dark. Where you just see all these people <laughs> kind of like start running. In the and I am, I'm booking it. I was, I had walked well over 20,000 steps for a majority of the days that I was there. So I was in uh, shape and kind of used to it by that point. But I got in line. I was the only woman, as per usual. And this guy kind of weasels his way to the front. He's like, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, sorry, excuse me. And I had had it by then with the <laughs> lack of regard for personal space, just the like crowding and shoving. And, yeah. <laughs> and I said, get the F behind me. And he was Canadian. He was wearing a Canadian jersey. And he started saying like, oh, my friend's up there. And I said, well, I'm sorry you're slower than your friend." but you're not, you're not coming in front of me. I was so, I was so sappy. And he starts kind of like under his breath and and unable to look me in the eyes about it. Still tried to push forward, was telling me that he was trying to break the record for the most World Cup games attended and that he needed to get to the stadium for that reason. And I was like, you'll get there when you get there. We're all getting on the same bus. It doesn't matter. You're not better than anybody else. I was fuming. <laughs> fuming. So I'm standing there and I'm looking through my phone and I'm thinking, if, if this guy's trying to break the record, then surely he's like blogged about the plan. So I typed in like world record for World Cup games attended Canada. And sure enough, his face shows up. I'm like, <laughs> I want to ruin it for this guy so bad. So bad. <laughs> so, we take the shuttle and we get to 974 with plenty of time to go. I finally get my StubHub ticket to upload and turns out I'm smack dab in the middle of the Brazil fan section, which was incredible. But I get to my seat and I'm standing there by myself 
And I looked down my row and that dude was there. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, it was my last night. So I just like, I, I had, I had given up caring or being mindful of my surroundings. And I thought, I, man, I just want to brawl so bad. (laughs) All this pent up anger about people. Like I will say, though I felt safe, the amount of um, men that asked me why I wouldn't go hang out with them Hmm. if I didn't have already have a husband was off the charts. So I was like, no, I just don't, I don't want to go hang. I don't want to go hang out with you and your friends. I don't have to have a husband to not, to not want to do that. <laughs> like, leave me alone, please. So, yeah, I haven't I haven't stopped to check to see if the guy broke the record, but I will say the record at that point was established in South Africa and the record was 21 games. So if you think about that and how big of a feat that was for how spread out those games were, right. the fact that I went to 19 while I was there, incredible. You could have done it. That could have been you. I would have passed away. <laughs> and you didn't have to push in front of anyone to do it either. Oh <laughs> I was the faster runner. Just accept it and stand behind me. So. Well, <laughs> thankfully, you did not start a uh, brawl in the middle of the uh, Brazilian fan section and you made it home safely. So where can people find your content? This this vlog that should be out Where Where can people find you? Yes. Look me up between clean sheets on youtube i am on every other platform instagram twitter tiktok and i just started my own podcast which is uh all about the fan pov that is my goal is to talk about things from the eyes of the fan so it does get me out of having to talk about a lot of the uh more difficult tactical subjects which which you guys handle well no, we talk, about, we, we, we talk about we the don't. Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> the one from the 90s, not the, oh, not the new one. Is, oh, okay. I was going to say, was the new one? I'm not going to see the new one. Says, oh. No, we're all going to go see it as a podcast. It's Jason either too woke or not woke enough. I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure what the that, answer to that is. Ain't that always the truth? <laughs> I, do, I do have some bad news. Oh. Saskatoon resident Lee Cormish attended 41 <laughs> full 2022 World Cup games, he including the finale. He did he it. crushed it. Uh, <laughs> you suck. And so is Canada. <laughs> well, well, He's really ruining you're... every stereotype about polite Canadians, too, and I love that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, no, he couldn't look me in the eyeball. He did say sorry a couple times, and I'm like, you no, say, you look me in the face. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You look me in the face while you cut in line, sir. <laughs> My name is Karen, and you will not do this to me. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Well, yeah. While while you go find Cheyenne on the internet, feel free to uh, drop our uh, Canadian friend there a, a dislike, a thumbs down, a, an unfollow, whatever you need to. So, no, yes. thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, a uh, a fan POV podcast sounds. Sounds perfect. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. This is a pleasure. And we're back. And again, Cheyenne, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, She's always great to us. Always, always appreciative 
of her time there. And um, yeah, go check out that uh, that vlog that she's got out there. I'll drop a link in the uh, in the show notes there so you can go check that out. But um, gentlemen, we've got the Portland Timbers, the mighty Portland Timbers coming back to town. The last time they were here, Alan Cruz was styling on them as we cruised to victory. Uh, it's a little different Portland. It's a little different FCC, although we're both coming on coming off of, I'll say, results that run against their run of form. Uh, Portland Timbers have struggled this year. They have not been a very good team. They just lost uh, their stud midfielder, Eric Williamson, for the season, and yet they still managed to beat Seattle. What was it, 3-1, to 4-1 to one last week? Uh, meanwhile, FCC had been cruising right along right until we ran into St. Louis. So, I don't know, Grayson, what are the vibes going into this one? I want to say I want to say good, but uh, I'm gonna say bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you broke forum last time and screwed us up a little bit on your prediction. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I feel really bad about that. <laughs> um, and and you know we are going to be missing Arias uh, this weekend, which was unexpected. Uh, Kubo is going to be gone, which is expected. We've mentioned that Lucho, it looks like he's going to be training on Thursday. We'll see how that goes. That would be a real big get for us. Um, uh, you know, uh, Portland has been missing some guys this season, but, um, uh, you know, uh, Eric Williamson is out like long term. Yeah. Um, last weekend, uh, and there, I haven't seen their avail- their availability report for this weekend. But uh, last weekend, they were missing Felipe Mora, Sebastian Blanco, Yimmy Chara, David Bingham, and Eric Williamson. Um, I think Williamson for sure is still going to be out. Um, from what I, um, the rest of the guys all trained this week to a certain degree. Like I think. I saw Felipe Mora was training off to the side, but Blanco and uh, Chara were both training uh, on the field. So we'll know more tomorrow, but Portland may uh, be back to fuller strength than they've been this year. <laughs> yeah, that I, I don't know. Chief, what, what, are, what are your thoughts? It's a. Both teams have an opportunity to show that last week was either an aberration or, in Portland's case, the start of them turning it around. I think the pressure is on FC Cincinnati this week to win the game. You know, you can you can lose road games. It happens. It's fine. Um, The manner in which they lost that game was something else entirely, like we touched on on Monday's episode. But they need to bounce back. They're at home. They're playing against a team that traveled a long way to be here that's been on a pretty poor run of form prior to their last result. If FC Cincinnati is going to compete for something this year, something special this year, they need to avoid runs of poor form. You can get picked off on a game here and there. What you can't do is let one loss spiral into two or three or go multiple games where you are dropping points. You especially can't do that when you are 
at home. So what am I looking for out of SC Cincinnati this week? I need to see the offense get on track. Number mm-hmm. one, first and foremost, I need to see them score goals. Um, you're not going to be upset, obviously, with a one nil victory. Any win is a good win, period. But at some point, if this team is going to do more this year than simply have a nice year, the offense needs to get into gear. And I understand Brenner's not available, but guys need to step up. Vasquez needs to step up. He needs to be the man. He needs to be comfortable being the man. I need to see the back. Brenner's not not available yet. Well, I mean, (laughs) I guess it just depends how he feels. Right. If he if he wants to be available or not. Whether Udinese tells him, go play. Whether he gets permission from his new mom and dad to go and hang out with the poor kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I need to see the back line play better. I need to see flat out, need to see the team get back to this this the old ways of FC Cincinnati earlier in the year. Good defending. Don't let poor shots in. You know, make things easy on Roman. So, yeah, this is a, prove it, this is a show me game for FC Cincinnati. Show me that you've got the pride and that you've got the talent to pull out of a tailspin, which last week was a little bit of a tailspin. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's, that's key is, and Pat Noonan mentioned this in his post-game press conference, but, you know, looking to respond strongly to last week's result because, you know, we can just forget about last week's result, depending on what happens the rest of the season. Because yeah. one bad loss is just a loss. Who gives a shit? Two losses in a row, and it starts to be a narrative, right. you know. Yeah. Especially when you when you it's especially like two bad losses in a row, then you start to look at didn't really look great early in the season. Like, does that does that color how we think about earlier in the season more? Not, you know? not just not to carry the metaphor a little too far from, you know, when we talked to Big Randy a few weeks ago in the no laying up thing. But you play golf. Everyone knows is that you hit a bad shot. You're looking to save par. This is what this is right here. This is the save par shot right here. Get back. Get right. Get back on the right side of the scorecard right here. So, yeah, yeah. it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And I, I think based on Noonan's comments, that's the way he views it. And you would want to see the players come out with a little bit of piss and vinegar after getting embarrassed um, against an expansion team. So I'll I'll look for, you want to look for the, the emotions to be in the right spot. Like, I don't know if anyone else read the Pat Newton's thing or not Pat Newton, Pat Brennan's column from this week. I think he was spot on when he said that FC Cincinnati didn't match the emotion of that St. Louis uh, side. And that game meant more to St. Louis than it did to FC Cincinnati. And they need to do that this week to Portland. They need to go out there. This game needs to mean more to them than it is to Port- than it does to Portland in terms of riding the ship, getting back in their winning ways, and reasserting themselves in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think a lot of this, too, is going to come down to Noonan. I, I think that game against St. Louis was one of his worst performances as a manager, getting the tactics wrong and not man-managing. You've got your star striker sitting out to make this big move. How does that impact the team? Uh, The guys weren't up for this game. This is his chance to bounce back, to learn from those mistakes. Uh, We saw it last year after Austin. I mean, the the next game didn't go their way, but it was a much 
bigger, you know, a great improvement from week to week. I want to see how far Noonan has come in this case as well. Does he go back to what was working earlier this year, or does he throw another wrinkle out there to see if he can't get the most out of this team? Because, as we said, this team wasn't necessarily firing on all cylinders, at least on offense, going into St. Louis. So it's not to say that there isn't some tweaking that needs to be made there. Um, so we'll see how Noonan uh, responds to this one as well. Um, we've got kickoff for U.S. Men's National Team right around the corner here. So let's go around the horn and uh, get us our predictions. Grayson, what do you got for us? Well, I do I do agree that it does matter um, you know, what Noonan has up his sleeve because I think he's got another little bit of a challenging game uh, in front of him. And, you know, he needs to be able to show that he can, he can come up with stuff that works when, like, Brenner's not on the field and Acosta's not on the field and you're missing, like, a couple of guys, but you got a fully intact back line. you got Obi, you got Barrial, you got, you know, other good players on the field. I mean, other coaches find ways to win yep. with, with those teams. I mean, we saw Columbus this year. Uh, beat Atlanta six to one, missing Zellerayon and Cucho with yep. Gustavo Viasia starting at, at center. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a important game for Noonan to sh- to show uh, you know what he's got, but um, I'm going to go a two to one loss. Wow. I don't like that. Chief, what are you thinking? Can I hedge? Maybe. You okay. can only give me one score, though. <laughs> so there are, this is a choose your own adventure book. And um, you turn to page 28 if Lucho Acosta isn't playing, because uh. I think that's an uphill climb for this team again without Lucho. Um, if he's not playing, they will struggle, I think, to a 1 1 draw. If Lucho is playing, I'm gonna say two nothing, two nil, FC Cincinnati, and I think Lucho is gonna play, so I'm gonna say two nil. They get back onto the clean sheet wagon. They score two goals. Is based on the strong performance of Brandon Vasquez in this midweek game. I had two to nothing as well uh, written down here, so I will change it up and go three to nothing. There we because go. Why yeah. not? You'll I love mean, to see it. Vasquez coming off of this hat trick, obviously feeling himself. He pairs well with Santos. Lucho or no Lucho, they've got it under control. That's a strong strike partnership in MLS. Let's see it. Um, well, if anything, <laughs> any of those scores happen. We'll talk about it on Monday. Uh, until then, um, we'll probably talk about other scores too. We'll see. Um, but that's going to do it for your postcast. Hope you enjoyed this. And um, Buck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them 
in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Sensi at thepostsensi.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content. Please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.